Hello, and welcome to PEP, Talk by Perpetual, a talent advisory firm based in New York City and Paris. This podcast is all about raw conversations with real people. My name is Duke Maines. I'm a partner at Perpetual, and I'm delighted to welcome today Maggie Timoney, the president and CEO of Heineken USA. You need to know that she's more than the president and CEO of Heineken USA. She is a world-class collegiate athlete. She's actually in the College Basketball Hall of Fame from her exploits at Iona University. She has done so much in her career. Uh, she's a personal friend of mine as well and a former boss who hired me to work at Heineken in the early part of this last decade. I'm going to start with a question, Maggie, that uh, you actually asked me when you were interviewed me for a job at Heineken many years ago. And that is, if, if you, uh, you, I don't know if you remember this question. I'm not but, sure. I have to hear the question first. <laughs> well, if you get, you know, if you get stuck on, a, on, a, on an island and you can't get off and you only have three songs to listen to, what would those songs be and why did you choose those? I don't know if you, that's, that, I think that's one of your favorite interview questions, if I recall. Oh, it is. And maybe <laughs> to elaborate a bit so people don't think I'm really daft, as we say in Ireland, um, the reason I asked that question uh, and now I won't be able to ask it anymore, of course, if people are listening to this, <laughs> exactly. is to understand more about the person. Because I think you can look at someone's work experience and get a sense for their capabilities, even from their CV or their resume. But equally important to me is who is that person? Who are they really? Because people show up in an interview and they just put the be best version of themselves as they should. But for me, it's so important that I know who the person is. So now you've really stumped me, Duke, as always. Um, I gotta, gotta break you down. Three songs. <laughs> so this is if you're going to be stranded on a desert island and you're not getting off, what three songs would you bring with you and why? I think the first one would probably be Our Lady Queen of Ireland. It's a religious song. And um, I'll get two things out of that. A, I'll get Irish, my roots, uh, my family in Ireland, and I get the uh, religious component of having faith. So the reason I would choose that is that would remind me of home. Knock County Mayo is uh, not so far from my hometown of Ballina, County Mayo. And, um, and then the whole Irish piece and the faith combined. That would be the first one. Second one would have to be a Bruce Spring. Duke is smiling here. Would have to be a Bruce Springsteen song. Um, of course. My favorite, um, I love music and I love to sing. Unfortunately, I wasn't blessed with the golden pipes, but I was blessed with a great memory. So I know all the words, but I can't sing. So people uh, allow me uh, the privilege of singing at Sing Along. So that would be Thunder Road by Bruce Springsteen. I love that song. I love his concerts. Uh, and it reminds me of my time as a, a young girl growing up, but also time with my husband, um, who also loves music and we love going to the concerts. And the third one, I'd like something, a song to remind me of my kids. I have two boys, two teenagers. They like rap, they like country, and they like music overall. So I would say a Luke Combs song, Dear Today. Um, and it's dear today, tomorrow here. Man, I was just checking in. Hope you've been well. Me, I'm doing all right. Could always be better. Blah, blah, blah. So it's about don't change. Don't put off today, tomorrow, today, what you can do today. And tomorrow may never come. So carpe diem and seize the moment. And I think 
yeah, my, that's what I want to instill in my kids. They love that song. Or, and they, when I'm on that desert island all alone, I and mean, Duke tells me I'm not getting off, um, I want to remember Ireland, my husband, Faith, and my kids. Thanks so much, Maggie. You know, I've known you for a number of years now. So, uh, and, and, you know, frankly, I'm, I'm, I know some things about you, but there's, there, I'm, there's so much that I don't know about you. I wonder, share something that, that I don't know about you and certainly others might like to hear about you. I probably have a, well, I have a couple of things. One is um, before I went to college, in between high school and college, because I didn't, I, I graduated high school early, um, not because of my academic prowess, but I just started high school very early. So I just turned seventeen when I when I finished high school or secondary school, as we call it uh, in Ireland, and I got a work experience job um, in the Mayo Sligo Cooperative Cattle Mart. And it was where people, I see Duke's face, people, I mean, you see, it's an auction for cattle and sheep. And I thought, you know, it's interesting. It's also a correlation when I reflect on that, on something that I absolutely did not want to do because I played basketball. I thought I was, you know, at 17, I thought I was, you know, teenagers. I thought I was so cool. Um, I was good at sport. And then I'm working in the cattle mart. And I was mortified to be seen there, but in essence, working with, I can't even tell you the amount of money that goes through uh, a cattle mart is astronomical. You could not believe it. And working with these very different people, you know, mostly older and farmers and livestock and smell. And really think about a cattle mart where, what do you bid now? What do you bid now? I mean, literally there was two rings and they were auctioning off the cattle. And when I reflect back on that time, I learned so much of, A, I thought I would hate this, and I absolutely loved it, and working with so many different types of people um, and learning about their lives. And, you know, some of these people looked like they didn't have any pennies in their pocket. Meanwhile, they were multimillionaires. But, and I, what I learned there was not to judge a book by its cover. And I'm so happy I had that experience. That's something people might know about me. And second is that I went to the pre-Olympics. I was on the Irish national team and not so much that I went to the pre-Olympics, but they were in Cuba in 84 and in Malaysia in 88. And uh, yeah, I, I went to those countries and played in the pre-Olympics. We probably had no uh, reason to be there. We were small little country, Ireland playing against some very... Uh, playing against China or playing against Cuba or playing against the former Yugoslavia and getting hammered. But what an experience <laughs> that was to see different cultures, different teams, and you know us being able to come at least go to these uh, pre-Olympics. So that was something that people may not know about me. In, in basketball, I assume. In basketball. Okay, yeah. just want to just want to confirm. Oh yeah, in basketball. Sorry, yes. <laughs> I'm looking at well, Duke, thinking he knows everything about me. No, I would have. I I, I might have been able to guess you were in the Olympics, uh, but that first thing about the uh, what did you what did you call it? a cat? Not a cattle ranch, but a cattle cattle mart. Cattle mart. I can I would never have guessed. Uh, however, you know, you, your lesson from that, you know, being able to adapt. Uh, you know, engage with new people, learn something from that and adapt as you go and, 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 and thoroughly enjoy it. That I could have predicted, Maggie, because knowing you like I do. So yeah. uh, very cool. Back then I didn't know, I didn't know it. And it's only years later that you look back on it. Um, and I remember when I went back home to get married in 99, um, 
and all my friends from the cattle mart coming to the wedding. And it was a special time. And they're friendships that you forge for life. Wow. So you, you got married at the cattle mart? <laughs> no. At the, actually, the name <laughs> of the hotel was a downhill hotel. Okay. <laughs> and as Glenn almost says, it was all downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too that's too good. Uh, well, so Maggie, I you know I haven't really given you a chance to introduce yourself. I've you know the the listeners here have heard me say a few things about you, but from your perspective, and before we get to the the tough questions of the podcast, you know, uh, if there are or if you can call that tough, uh, yeah, no, you're not allowed to ask me tough questions. Yeah, and no, I think I think you'll be fine with these, but uh, yeah, just say a few words about yourself and in, in only uh, the way the way you can, Maggie. Well, I'll give you the, maybe a quick elevator pitch. Born in Banana County, Mayo. Um, at 13, started playing basketball because a guy from Dublin who worked for Guinness actually at the time ended up uh, transferred to this small town, set up a basketball team. And, you know, I also think too about kids that need to start at age three, age four. I started at, at 13 and, uh, you know, became, was horrible in the beginning. So this is a lesson to stick with something because I was so uncoordinated. And then, you know, got good within probably two to three years, made the Irish national team. <clears throat> then colleges in the U.S. became interested in me. I ended up going to a wonderful uh, college in New Rochelle, New York, called Iona College. I'm sure many of you have heard of it. Um, it's a fantastic college. Um, met friends for life there. And Iona College is also one of those pivotal mo moments who made me into who I am today. And the, you know, the Irish Christian brothers uh, embraced me coming in from Ireland and definitely helped me to become who I am today and got my undergrad degree there and stayed on and was a graduate assistant coach. I got my MBA actually in organizational behavior, which is near and dear to Duke's heart. Um, and then, you know, when I came out of college with, you know, I had six years of college and I couldn't get a job because I had no work experience, but I had two degrees. So I ended up at the end, getting a job with Gallo as a sales rep in the Bronx. Um, and I don't have any problem selling. Uh, as my mother, Lord of Mercy Honor, used to say, I could sell snow to an Eskimo. And then got hired by an Anheuser-Busch distributor in the Bronx, um, poached me away from Gallo, um, and then ended up working for Heineken USA for three years in a national uh, strategic planning role. Did that for three years and then went to Amsterdam for five years uh, in Heineken Export Group, looking at all of the beer that's exported from the Netherlands to every country in the world except the US. So doing a lot of um, commercial activity in places like Dubai, Kazakhstan, Algeria. And we did a lot of uh, great work. We're like consultants almost. Then worked for Global Commerce, doing something very similar, again in Amsterdam. Then went to Canada and was general manager of Canada for four years. And then where Duke and I met, or where I hired Duke, I uh, went a bit of an unusual move maybe from my commercial general management track. I went in as head of HR for Heineken USA from 2010 to 2013. And then from there, um, I was appointed uh, president of Heineken Ireland. I went back to Ireland after being gone for so long and, and after having never worked really in Ireland outside of my cattle mart experience. And, uh, and that was also a great learning for me. And then in 2018, was appointed as president and CEO of Heineken USA. So that's a bit of a quick snapshot, but lots of learnings along the way. 
Perfect, Maggie. Thank you for for sharing that. Uh, that helps uh, listeners understand a little bit about your background. So very helpful, Maggie. You, you've done so much as you've just gone through. Like, what is what's been the key to your success in getting to where you are today? I think um, three or four things. Um, one, I you know, no matter what role you're in, no matter no matter how small or how big, you need to deliver results. So our jobs. I mean, your job, my job. When I was a sales rep. Um, when I was in, I mean, you have to deliver results. So that's, uh, that's the, that helps your success, right? I mean, and of course there are people who don't deliver results that seem to get promoted, that can get promoted, right? And and you say, how the hell did that happen? But I think, you know, you need to be true to who you are. I'm competitive and I like to uh, deliver results. I like to collaborate with and through people to deliver those results. So number one is deliver results. Number two, and people might say, oh yeah, of course, but be yourself. I mean, that's so easy to say and so difficult to do. And I was I was blessed with um, parents who brought me up, who were kind and caring, and who never pretended to be something they were not. And I had that as as a role model and uh, role models and as an example of how to live my life. And that unconditional love that gave me to be, no matter who you want to be, you can be it and to be yourself. So I definitely was blessed and privileged to have that upbringing and maybe as the youngest maybe as the youngest child they kind of give me a bit more leeway than than the other three um but i firmly believe that the key to my success is that i am who i am and some you know i have i always say that i have beauty spots and i have warts and you know being yourself and giving the people you work with every day the license to be themselves is the greatest gift you can give anyone so that would be my second one and the third one don't be afraid to take a chance or you know when I was approached by Dolph to become the head of HR at Heineken USA and I thought what HR like I know nothing about HR I'm not you know I don't I don't want to do that really was my first and was it because I was afraid I wasn't afraid it was just like I don't know if I can do that job and I remember I did that job for three years and because I wasn't afraid to take it and take that chance, because I was thinking, okay, after this, where the hell do I go? You're thinking like, you're like, what job can I get after this? Because I probably don't want to be in HR forever. Right. That by taking that chance and doing that job and working with you, Duke, and learning so, and learning so much from you and others and making an impact on the results of the company, it gave me confidence. Yeah, people might say, but yeah, but you're confident. Yeah, I'm confident. I'm happy. I'm comfortable in my own skin. But that role really gave me real, real confidence that I could figure things out and do, yeah, do whatever role that's been thrown at me. I can figure it out and I can do it with others, not by myself. Yeah, you, you could you you could do anything essentially if you could tackle that role, be successful. Uh, you know, bring on the next challenge. Now I can take on anything, right? Yeah. It gave you gave you that sense of confidence. It did. Yeah. Yeah. So well, I think, and I'm an, and know, I'm, a, I'm eternally grateful, by the way, for you for you accepting that role. That was awesome. Yeah, and I think and 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 let me just say, you know, what you did at Honeycan USA in your tenure there would have taken others three times the amount of time to do what you did. Yeah. Well, not sure about that, but it's very kind. It's of true, you. and I learned, <laughs> and I and I still use Dukeisms, and I uh, and I learned so much from you, Maggie. And you may have just covered this uh, actually, but you know, one of the things we typically ask is, what was the critical moment for you 
that, you know, if you look back, was there a critical moment or a critical incident in your career that really sort of accelerated your trajectory? That may, in fact, be what you just said, the, yeah. the HR role. But I don't know if you want to elaborate yeah, on I that. Yeah, I think it is. I think I, I, so now my, my advice that I give uh, if someone comes to me for career advice, uh, A, I never say no. And, and to that call or that 15 minutes or half an hour. And B is if you ever have an opportunity to do a cross-functional move, do it. Because sometimes we shy away from, a cro- oh, I don't know, why would I go into marketing and be a project manager if I'm already in supply chain? But I think that cross-functional move, you will grow and learn in leaps and bounds when you do that. And I think... Um, that's the best training you could get. So that you know the 70 2010. Right, right. Right. You know, yeah. a cross-functional move, whew, that really accelerates your learning and your development. Well, and you bring that learning agility to that role, right? So it allows you to adapt, figure it out, and and produce real results quickly, right? And that's that's yeah. exactly what you were able to do. So yeah. And, yeah. and I think also another learning for me is, and I think I did this very early on in my career. I was very, you know, I'm the youngest child and I love myself. So I was very good at hiring mirror images of myself. Um, People like me, who thought like me, you know, who were extroverted like me. And I don't know what point I realized, and this probably goes back to when I build a team, I want to put a a team together that complement each other, that that are not all the same. and. I learned that along the way, and maybe, I don't know if I learned the hard way at one point, I'm not sure, but somewhere the the light bulb went off that, you know, sports is not that different from business. You can't have on the basketball court five three-point shooters. You need right, one right. really good, you know, you need a Steve Kerr out there, you know? Sure. And I always think about the Bulls team, and they won a lot of championships, and if you've seen The Last Dance and Michael Jordan, I mean, they didn't win championships just because of him. But Rodman and Kerr and all those players all had those roles and all fit together. Um, and was he the catalyst for sure in terms of his leadership and his ability? But it took all of them to win the championships. And that's why I, I now try a model putting what I call affectionately the Motley Crew team together. Uh, <laughs> the Motley Crew together. Individually, they're a bit quirky, but together they make music. They're magic. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, well said, Maggie. I, I like that a lot. Uh, I guess as you reflect back on your career, is is there has there been a mistake you've made or or something you regretted that uh, or actually maybe you didn't regret it maybe you learned from it I don't know something that you you think back to is like wow did that really happen and what did I learn from that you know going forward Yeah, you know, I've made lots and lots of mistakes along the way um, I think the, and I'll give you an ex- I'll give you one example in a second I think you have to first admit you made the mistake and then figure out how can you make it better um, and I remember. In one of my roles, before really understanding the needs of the business, you know, I was in, in the in the middle of a move, transatlantic move, and I had to, you know, make some decisions. And I met this person without having been in the role. So I would say, before you have to hire someone, be in your role for at least ninety days before you make a decision on someone. So I hired this guy from afar, and he was very nice man and, and, and seemed capable. And I think 30, 45 days in, I realized I made a mistake and 
within 90 days, I told him. And you know what? Human nature is, oh, let's let's see if it's going to work. And then you wait 12, 18 months. And I remember afterwards, the team that he was responsible for said to me that they had taken bets that he wouldn't last 18 months, but they never expected that he would be gone after, in the end, six months. We told him after, you know, I think three and a half months. And at the end of the day, it's not, it's not about him or her in in this particular situation, but I'm looking at that team that he was trying to lead and he was failing miserably. He was unhappy. They were unhappy. I was unhappy. So I think, it was good for the company and it was good for him to leave and don't take too long. I made a mistake. I made the mistake. I made the call, but then make sure you repair it quickly and move on. Fair enough. And, and it, it learn sounds, from it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, it, and it sounds like the, if I understand the lesson is really ensure that you have the proper context of the, you know, that that 90 days allows you to, to possess right before you make yes. the, the call on, yeah. on hiring someone. Yeah. Okay. And also, I think if you're leaving, if I'm leaving a position, right, a leadership position, and I have, a, I have an open position on my team, the new leader should hire that person. Sure, yeah. sure. I mean, but, it sounds simple, but some, that doesn't happen all the, t- all the time. No, that's, that's fair. I mean, most people don't realize, you know, performance is contextual. You can take stars, you know, from one organization to, the, to another, and they don't necessarily repeat that same success, you know, unless of course they have the learning agility that you were able to bring to your different roles. But often, you know, that, that talent is not portable, right? And there's all kinds of research that supports that. So you have to look at the context behind the the role. Yeah. And to that point, it's not portable. And I don't know some, I think sometimes the culture that that star from another company is going to is so strong that it's not open to somebody who's a star and who may be different from that culture. Right. So, I also say to people when we hire them, like you're hired for you. You bring this whole suite of capabilities and skills and leadership. Don't get swallowed up by the carpet of us because you're hired to inject some new blood and, and new thinking into how we do things. And sometimes a culture is so strong, it eats up that person and they turn into us. And that's right. not, we don't want that. That's not why you hired them to begin with, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think we have to be cognizant of our culture, what's great about our culture and what's not so great about our culture and make sure that we don't, you know, melt the ice cubes that we bring in. Sure. No, that that makes that makes complete complete sense, right? I think it's one of the values of, of hiring consultants. I always say when when clients hire us, it's not that we know something you don't know. It's not that we're smarter in any way. It's the fact that we don't work for you, right? You yeah. get you get sucked in. And we can see things perhaps in a different, you know, through a yeah, different objective lens. and yeah. a different lens. Yeah, I- ideally, that's that's the hope. Yeah. <laughs> so, I what, the last question I'll ask you, Maggie, is, um, uh, you know, being a high-powered executive and female, but I guess I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you to share some of your perspective or advice to young aspiring uh, women in the business who are, you know, looking uh, in their business careers to grow to where you are. Yeah, I would say. Um try at all times to be yourself and it's so difficult because you you're trying to morph into something that you think someone else wants and particularly for fee, for young women coming up in 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 business don't try to be a, ma- a male be who you are and and work hard and do your best and sometimes it won't work out we know we know that and it won't work out for a variety of reasons but if you can try 
really try just to be yourself and don't try to be somebody that you're not. And look to other males and females for maybe mentorship or sponsorship or someone that you can bounce things off that you can trust and say, how do I handle this situation to try and help you out in, 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 with an issue and also maybe accelerate your learning and then pass it on. You know, as you grow up, go up the ranks, be ensure you pass it on and help other young ladies and women uh, and young girls uh, aspire to where you're going and also help the men. I mean, men also need help. And also the second thing, and I wrote this, scribbled it down. Everyone has this parrot on their shoulder, you know, male and female that says, and I, I have it too. Am I good enough? It's a parrot, blah, 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 you know, chirping in your ear. The men have it, the women have it. And, maybe, and the women have it much more than the men, right? I want you to take a big bat, and this is metaphorical, right? And whack that parrot that's chirping in your ear off your shoulder. Perfect. That, that is not, it's not worth it. Get rid of the parrot. You are good enough. You have gifts that you were born with that you acquired along the way that you got from others you have beautiful gifts that you have unleash those gifts reminds me of a book i saw recently on the stand it says you are a badass now go get them yeah yeah <laughs> so, so that parrot on your shoulder when it starts saying oh am i good enough for this and you are good enough you are good enough just believe in yourself This podcast is all about having raw conversations with real people. Maggie Timoney, that conversation with you certainly uh, embodies that principle. So very much thank you for attending and being part of this podcast. Thanks for inviting me and so great to see you.